truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Howdy. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. 888-900-3393 is the number here to Blaze TV. That's 888-900-3393. Feel free to try liking us on Facebook, and we put an emphasis on the word try. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Check us, check us out on our new YouTube page as well, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Plenty of content there that you can share and sample at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. We've got a jam-packed Tuesday lined up for you here today. We've got some fake news or not coming your way, as we typically do, and I've got breaking news for Todd and Aaron. Um. We're calling an audible on Pop Culture Tuesday. We're going to do it next hour at the top of the hour, but we're not going to do the topic I told you about. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, oh, we're, we're doing this again? We're, yeah, we're well, doing this? Not that I have a problem with doing that topic, but we're going to do another topic. And I, I, I just think self-awareness can be dead in the culture, but, but it can't be dead on this show. And I think it's it's really important if you're going to give provocative opinions and you're going to have no sacred cows that you have to be willing to hold yourself openly accountable to these standards that you hold others and your audience needs to see you do that, right? So so we're going to do that in a unique way with Pop Culture Tuesday. That's coming up in about an hour and you guys have no clue None. What we're going to do. I have None. a sense that there's a quiz or something coming up for Todd and I. It's not a quiz, but um, it it will require instantaneous feedback. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, but I'll I'll explain all that in about an hour. Okay. What? I have questions. Well, they will all be answered in about one hour from now. All okay? right. All right. All right. I, that is, yes, Ron, thank you. Uh, the voice in my ear. That, that's what we used to call in the old school radio business a tease. Yes. Okay. okay? Right. Uh, but before we get to all of that, uh, our old friend uh, Josh Hammer uh, from the New York Post, former clerk on the federal bench, he's going to join us at the bottom of the hour looking ahead to what's going on at the Supreme Court right now. Before we get to all of that, though, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Batch. If the narrative we're being told is true, guano is the reason the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 1,000 points yesterday, its worst day in two years. This is attributed to fears about the Wuhan coronavirus, the virus whose origins supposedly start with bat droppings at an outdoor market in Wuhan, China, that's killed over 2,600 people in that country, if you believe the Chinese government, and infected tens of thousands of more across Asia and other countries. Markets stabilized this morning after yesterday's sell-off. We're on to South Carolina. Democratic candidates are now turning their eyes to the Palmetto State as the final standalone primary before Super Tuesday takes place this Saturday. Some candidates like Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg had town halls on CNN last night. So when Fidel Castro first came to power, which was when, 59? Does that sound right? 59, 60. Okay. You know what he did? He initiated a major literacy program. It was a lot of uh, a lot of folks in Cuba at that point who are literate. And he formed the Literacy Brigade. You may read that. He went out and they helped people learn to read and write. You know what? I think te- teaching people to read and write is a good thing. 
I have been extremely consistent and critical of all authoritarian regimes all over the world. So this is part of what I'm getting at when I say that in our one shot to defeat Donald Trump, we should think carefully about the consequences of nominating Senator Sanders. I don't want, as a Democrat, I don't want to be explaining why our nominee is encouraging people to look on the bright side of the Castro regime when we're going into the election of our lives. Joe Biden says he's proud of the work he did during the Obama administration with the Chinese government. It's getting passed, getting moved, getting control of the Paris Climate Accord. I'm the guy that came back after meeting with Deng Xiaoping and making the case that I believe China would join if we put pressure on them. We got almost 200 nations to join. Yeah, Deng Xiaoping actually left office in 1992 and has been dead for 23 years. Joe Biden also said this. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over if you like what you see. Help out. If not, vote for the other by learning Spanish today. Today's phrase is why does Joe Biden's family hate him? Porque la familia de Joe Biden lo odia. Congresswoman Maxine Waters said this about President Trump. I have worked um, in some of the toughest communities. I've worked with gangs. I've worked with Crips. I've worked with Bloods. And there's more integrity in many of these young people in the hood than this man has. Far-left YouTube show The Young Turks are in the news after their leader and candidate for Congress, Cenk Ugar, reportedly urged its staff not to unionize, saying the company can't afford it and that they're in a precarious position. Daily Caller headline, Senator Mike Lee explains his conservative approach to paid family leave. I suppose that's like Congressman Matt Gates's conservative approach to climate alarmism. Or this headline today from the Washington Post about a speaker at CPAC this year, Meet the Anti-Greta, a young YouTuber campaigning against climate alarmism. Former Hollywood movie producer and the genesis of the Me Too movement, Harvey Weinstein, was found guilty on two counts of the potential five criminal charges he faced in New York. Weinstein was convicted of criminal sexual assault in the first degree based on the testimony of former Project Runway production assistant Miriam Haley and rape in the third degree based on the testimony of one-time aspiring actress Jessica Mann. The executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention announced recently they'll be forming a study task to review the activities of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, or ERLC, of the SBC. The ERLC is headed up by Russell Moore, a frequent critic of President Trump, and is the main public policy organ of the SBC. According to the Southern Baptist Convention's executive committee, the study into the ERLC is to examine concerns that have, quote, been expressed both publicly and privately to various members of the executive committee and other Southern Baptists regarding how the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission's actions in relation to its ministry statements are affecting the convention and its relationships with local churches, local associations, and state conventions. The ERLC responded to the formation of the study task force with a pointed letter calling the study unwarranted, divisive, and disrespectful. The bottom line is one of two things. Either the SBC is finally taking action to look into a string of allegations of a leftward bent to the ERLC, or the SBC is just mad that Russell Moore isn't Cheeto Jesus saves enough. According to a new survey from LifeWay Research, nearly half, 47% of mainline Protestant pastors now support same-sex marriage. That's up from 32% in 2010. And finally, meet Barack Buttigieg. The way we when do we every other election, by giving it to the person who got the most votes. Just, Just a thought. thought. 
brings us because together. This, now, country this country was, was built. And it is a movement reaching into and church basements and barber and shops, in our schools, into universities, and, and with our kids. Halls. And if, if we can change the neighborhoods and we can change the, the city, city. shines as a beacon around the world. the world once more. And, and this, this is, is our chance to answer that call. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage is brought to you by our friends over at Candid who say, hey, if you are unhappy with your smile and you're tired of losing or feeling self-conscious uh, and losing confidence in photos, why not make this the year that you straighten your teeth with Candid? Candid delivers clear aligners directly to you and straightens your teeth for about 65% less than what braces cost. And unlike braces, Candid clears, uh, Candid, Candid's clear aligners are comfortable, removable, and totally invisible so that you can transform your smile without anyone noticing a thing. Plus, you never have to set foot in a doctor's office or a waiting room. Your treatment is prescribed remotely by a licensed orthodontist. That's key because uh, there's other companies that offer this service, but uh, they don't always work with specialists. You might get a general dentist. That's not the case at Candid. You work with somebody who is an expert in tooth movement with an average experience of 20 years in that field. All right. So if you're looking ahead to wedding season this year, a special event, um, Candid, the average uh, treatment length is just six months. You'll start seeing results, though, way before then. All right. So if you want to give it a shot, you're ready to take the first step towards teeth that you can be proud of. For a limited time, you can get a start right now with $75 off. $75 off your purchase by using the code TRUTHBOMBS at CandidCo, Candid, C-A-N-D-I-D, Co, C-O, CandidCo.com slash TRUTHBOMBS, CandidCo.com slash TRUTHBOMBS to get $75 off at CandidCo.com slash truth bombs we will be discussing in the overtime today what's going on at the southern baptist convention for our blaze tv subscribers so if you are a blaze tv subscriber good news for you uh that bonus episode will be up uh, a few hours from now at blaze tv.com slash days that's the same place though if you're not yet a blaze tv subscriber that's where you can go to catch that episode as well as all of the other uh exclusive content we do every day here at blaze tv at a reduced discounted subscription at blazetv.com slash days. Let's get to the rest of the, the news that we can in Aaron's montage. And I, I don't know what else there is to say uh, on the Joe Biden front. I thought, Aaron, your, um, uh, your take there while snarky, I, I actually think that's, that's at, at this point, Joe Biden's family just must hate him. They, they, they just are farming him out. Um, he's not going to win. There's no point in doing this. So, I mean, the only, other than money, uh, money, the ability to raise money and everything else, that's the only, that's the only reason to continue doing this. You like the headlines, you like the publicity, but I mean, what, what you, what you just saw there yesterday, I, I don't even know it. He, he's legally incompetent. He's legally incompetent. Everybody kind of knows this now, and it's just a matter of there's a group of people who have made their peace with it because they think he's the only person that has enough crossover appeal to beat Donald Trump, and then there's the rest of America. And the people in the first group are a dwindling number by the day, all right? I mean, that, but that's just painful, painful to watch. Um, the parallels with Bernie Sanders 2020 and Donald Trump 2016 – Again, I'm not drawing a moral equivalency, but a situational one. And 
watching Sanders sit there in South Carolina last night and and argue I mean look at the way he frames his answer he doesn't he doesn't lead with I've been uh I've I've been consistent in opposing authoritarian regimes criticizing authoritarian regimes my whole career I've been consistent with that that's not what he leads with what he what he leads with is the justification uh, for his support for Castro because of his literacy program. And, and folks, I mean, I remember growing up watching the McLaughlin Group, you know, the show that we just totally rip off on Fridays, okay? And I mean, Eleanor Clift made that, used to make those arguments to Pat Buchanan watching that show all my life. I mean, this is not a unique argument. The left has been making these arguments. I mean, the, the current mayor of New York City is a literal Sandinista. Who were they? The communists that took over Nicaragua that were supported by Castro. All, right, this is the, all my life, these arguments have been made. These, these attempts to, what do you call it, uh, dance uh, the, on a pin? What do you, what's the expression that you use, Todd? How, oh, how, how, like when you're wasting theology, you're, how, you're counting how many angels dance on the head of a pin. Yeah, they, yes. they've been attempting to do this with Marxism and communism my entire life. They were doing this in the 80s, too. They were doing that. This is not new. And of course, Barry, San- Barry Sanders, Bernie Sanders at 80 years old. I just had a Joe Biden moment. Bernie Sanders at 80 years old was alive and kicking and active back then. I mean, he was taking his honeymoon to the Soviet Union in 1988, just as it was about to fall. Okay. Not even when it was at the, the zenith of its presumed power, but it, when it had already been exposed as a house of cards and they were putting paper mache tanks out there for their May Day parades. And Gorbachev was begging the West for money. So to stay to avoid bankruptcy that that's when he chose to go that's when he chose to go because he's a true believer and you know what this party has been a true believer in this stuff for many many years at least the people running it have been so he is not hijacking anything i'm going to say this over i'm going to shout it from the rooftops he is not hijacking anything he is the fulfillment of everything and the fact he's willing to die on this hill Double down, triple down, quadruple down. He is a true believer. He's not changing on this. And it goes, it reminds me of when we got to the South Carolina primary. And and do you guys remember the debate we had before the South Carolina primary? And Donald Trump. Now, oh, South yeah. it's a case for those of you that don't know this, and I don't know if it's still true. I mean, demographics change over the course of, you know, four or five years. But back in 2016, South Carolina, I believe, had the was had the largest uh the a demographic of of military retirees of any state in the country or was it was up there near the top and and trump at the debate before the south carolina primary went all bush lied people died on iraq and wmds do you guys remember this okay and i and and we were all like he's dead you 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 cannot dunk and it's one thing to criticize American foreign policy from the right in the post 9-11 era. We have done that on this show. We were one of the first people to do that on this show. But I mean, he was using the kinds of talking points that we heard in the Cindy Sheehan era when, when the, the point was to delegitimize the war in Iraq because there was a possibility George W. Bush might win it, not when he was actually perceived to be losing it, right? I mean, he went after the whole premise of the argument in the first place and just and just used some of the most incendiary language. 
And then Antonin Scalia died right before the South Carolina primary, which put judicial nominations at the forefront. And you have no idea what Donald Trump's positions on any of these things are. Well, Steve, you had that list from Heritage. That that wasn't going to come out for months. That didn't come out until like May when he was the presumptive nominee, folks. There was no clue what he was going to do on this. And so it, it looks like it, it, it looks almost like fate is intervening to say, okay, this was fun. We have to get serious about this presidency thing. We have to move on. Trump just essentially gave an MSNBC monologue on the Iraq war. And Antonin Scalia died, which means we got to be real serious about what the future balance of the court. That was our, I mean, that was the cornerstone for conservative jurisprudence all of our lives was Antonin Scalia. Now he won the thing in a cakewalk. Just absolutely, just coasted to victory. Didn't matter. And I see the same, man, I see the same stuff happening on the left right now. First of all, if, if the day before you were on stage in the, in the heart of the Bible Belt, coaching a nine-year-old kid on how to tell his parents he wants to sodomize other, other males, you're probably not the dude to deliver the message that um, I don't, I don't want to run on, uh, on Fidel Castro. I'm just, you're, that's, you're probably not that guy. Is this, is this okay. the modern day equivalent of only Nixon could go to China yeah, or you're, something? You're, you're, you're Stay probably, in your lane, bro. Yes, thank you, Aaron. Yes. You're probably not the person to deliver that message, okay? If you've got less black support, which has only been the most loyal voting bloc in the Democratic Party for a half a century. If you've got more, if you got less black support than Steve Dace does in nationally. And and the main reason why is because you're coaching nine-year-olds on how to before they even know what sodomy is on telling their parents they want it. Okay? Let's just let's just keep it real, right? If that's you. You're probably not the one to say, folks, I, I think we've got to just be adults here and be serious about this entire process. If, if you have based your entire candidacy on a really bad Barack Obama in white face impersonation, okay? You are the reverse Ralph Northam and a mayor of an armpit town. And, and essentially all that you have managed to do politically is convince soft-headed, woke, white, suburban, and exurbanites in Iowa and New Hampshire that you are, you're the key to bring people back to their mainline Protestant church. Everybody left, okay, over this issue. You're the, you're the way that people will come back, come back to the United Methodist Church. It's just that easy. Okay, that, that's just that easy. That, that you are, you, 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 that you will convince millennials that you're not a terrible person. And yet you have, vo- you, have con- you have no other voting block anywhere. Everyone else in the country sees through this and like, even your own native constituency is like, this is a scam. We're not, dude, we're the rainbow jihad. We know what a scam is. We're not, we're not falling for this. We, we need a better class of criminal around here. If that's you, 
you're a phony at every level. Every level. If that's you and you're Pete Buttigieg, you are, you're the butt of this joke. You are not the one to deliver um, uh, the Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Geraldo Rivera scared straight episode from the 80s where they took the unruly kids to the prison yard. Remember those? Okay. You're not the one. All right. As the great prophet Ice Cube, who's black, therefore he won't be voting for you. As he would say, to paraphrase, you ain't the one. You, you ain't the one. You're not the one to deliver that message. Now, your message is correct. Tell me, who among you, let me borrow a phrase that maybe you have in the course, Mayor Pete, of your complete and total bastardization of Christianity used way out of context. Let he who is without sin here cast the first stone. Who among you is morally qualified to make this argument? Because after all, Mayor Pete, before most of America knew what a Bernie Sanders was, you were writing about how he was your idol. So tell me, who among you? Oh, Mr. Bloomberg? Mr. Bloomberg has his own Fidel Castro. It's called China, where apparently he would rather live. Michael Bloomberg has the NBA's view on China. China's better than America. He's as pro-China as it gets. America is a terrible polluter, even though we have cut our emissions by like 10,000% in the last decade. And China is the worst offender of them all. But remember, Michael Bloomberg informed us that, you know, China, had, you know, Mayor Xi is not a dictator. He can't just, uh, he can't just do things out there, right? Remember, they had that clip sure. a few months ago? So it's, it's, not, it's not going to be him. You have the right argument. Tell me who has the credibility. I'll answer. I'll answer for you. None of you. Because he isn't hijacking your party. He's fulfilling it. Which is why I don't believe he's going to face any penalty for backing Fidel Castro in South Carolina. Because the guy making the argument against him was trying to convince a nine-year-old, okay, to engage in total depravity 24 hours prior. There's no alternative. Then, then you have Joe Biden, who's legally incompetent and probably has onset dementia. That's not a joke, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that for effect or for clicks or for puns. I believe that. I believe that as much as I believe Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself or Phil Haney, for that matter. We'll have more on that at another time. Okay. As much as I don't believe the coronavirus came from bat droppings six months ago, okay? I don't believe any of that. I don't believe any of it, all right? And I don't believe he's going to face any penalty for it because the truth of the matter is, even in a place like South Carolina, on every college campus in a state like that, all of their academics and all of their students also think Fidel Castro was better than Ronald Reagan. So- Enjoy your harvest. The chickens have come home. Now, in fact, you know what? I need, I need to do this with a voice Mayor Pete will understand because, you know, he's just tried to uh, be the, the white-faced Obama this entire time. So and let me do it in the voice of, uh, of, of uh, Barry Satoro's pastor. America's chickens. Ah, 
coming home. Ah, to roost. That'll be a voice you've understood, Pete, because all you're doing is just the cheap, generic knockoff version. Okay. What in, in coming to America? What was the dad's restaurant? Do you remember where he was just completely McDowell's? Con- McDowell's. You're just that. You know what? And and given the cast makeup of that film, I think it is quite profound to call to use Mayor Pete with the voting block he has no chance to reach. You are the McDowell's in this race. Your thoughts, Todd? That's, well, that's a good reach because also coming to America too is happening. Did is it really that? happening? Yes. Okay. Pro- it's prophetic. Well. It's, yeah, I mean, there's so much there. Mayor Pete is, that's exactly who he was all along, which is the the paradox of why he could be here this long as I thought he would. But then his thumbprint on this thing, as we're seeing it, is, is exactly what you say. Ultimately, this... Every race, Republican or Democrat, is about alternatives to one another, is it not? I yeah. mean, and here, well, whether it should be or not, that's always yeah. what it ultimately is. Yeah, right. and here, his cool got him so far, but then him living out his cool in this kind of way with a nine-year-old is just as toxic, and therefore cancels out Bernie doing his cool thing, which right. is a different version of hating America, right. truth, the good, the beautiful. Yeah, and that that story at the beginning of the the montage about uh, bat poop, guys, I think that illustrates something that's really, really important here because the likes of Bernie Sanders, who this has all been about and how there's nobody, nobody who is willing or capable or credible enough to actually take him on seriously in the Democratic race. I think we I I think what happened yesterday is proof that we could be closer closer than we would like to admit to actually seeing Bernie Sanders have a chance. Because whether or not you believe that the coronavirus comes from from bat poop dropped months ago inside a random open-air market in Wuhan, and I have no reason to believe that it's not, I also find it really difficult to believe that a country that can track its uh, outbreak back to a specific market at a specific time with specific poop is somehow unable to continue. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Um, so you don't believe it? Any, yeah. That's <laughs> what you're trying to tell us. Because I, I don't either. I, I digress. You want to tell me that bat poop caused a sell-off yesterday? Guys, either, either there's something that we don't know, assume you're being lied to, or two, the other alternative is that there, and we've known this for a while, we've known this for a while, the, the stock market is completely, completely governed by emotion. That should be extremely scary because next time we have next time it's going to be the uh, I don't know, the Singapore, the Singapore coronavirus or the Beijing coronavirus, whatever hits and it causes a scare like yesterday, the next, you know, the next glorified cold, which I know it's it's killing people. That's a whole nother topic again. But that's basically what it is in a first world country is a glorified cold that can cause a sell off guys. Take this, take take that seriously. That I mean, we are we are closer to what we've been talking about with Bernie Sanders than any one of us would like to admit. I believe. I I really could see like the Chinese propagandists just like googling 
plausible alternative explanations other than we got caught trying to create a, a bioweapon. As long as they don't get caught in their own Google net. Yeah, yes. yes. And, and you know, because, I mean, Google's in bed with them anyway, right? Isn't it helping them mm-hmm. come up with their social credit score over there? Uh, and and they just, they came up with, uh, you know, the, 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 the plagues in the Middle Ages, the bubonic plague, for example, was started by rat droppings. You know, we didn't have... Uh, we didn't have modern uh, sanitation and things of that nature. People would just take their their you know waste materials that were in pans in their homes and throw it out the window, and that would attract the rats, right? And the rats and rats you know uh, the rats brought disease. That right? That's I, of course if you're if that is the actual explanation in the year two thousand and twenty, what that says about the worldview Bernie Sanders is promoting. What that says about the utopia that, Aaron, your generation is seeking, that the mighty Chinese, the only other plausible superpower in the world, can be brought to their knees by bat droppings. That for all of their military economic prowess, they're so far behind in terms of basic infrastructure, that they couldn't beat back the mighty bat droppings. So here's a general rule. Whenever, whenever the, the, the explanation offered includes an admission of stupidity, preemptively, don't trust it. More in a moment. Well, our dog Cap's latest obsession is this new supplement uh, that we introduced to his food called Rough Greens VitaSmart. And why did we introduce it to Cap's diet? Because like a lot of the foods fed to we humans these days that are stripped of a lot of the living organisms we need, those prebiotics, probiotics, uh, digestive enzymes, nutrients, vitamins, healthy microbacteria. Why are those things stripped out of our food? Well, uh, so they can be better mass uh, produced for mass consumption and then also have a longer shelf life as well. Same reason it's stripped out of your pet's foods too. And that's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. It puts all of those living organisms back in your dog's food. It's not its own dog food. It's a supplement for the food that your dog already likes and loves, all right? And apparently this stuff tastes great because whether we put it in Cap's food or his water, he woofs, he scarfs this stuff down, inhales it every single day. He absolutely loves it. So um, allow me to speak for him uh, because if he were here and he could speak, uh, he would wholeheartedly endorse this product. If you want to give it a shot uh, right now, uh, roughgreens.com is where you can go uh, to see your pet thrive again. It's R-U-F-F, by the way. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's where you want to go. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. You can also try giving them a call at 833-MY-DOG-33. That's 833-693-6433. Welcome back, our good friend. Uh, he's a contributor over at the New York Post and several other places, former clerk on the federal bench, Josh Hammer. Good to see you, Josh. How are you? Doing well, brother. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Always good to have you with us as well. I, I want to go back to something you tweeted a couple of days ago and, and tell our audience what you meant by this. I'm just going to read it verbatim. 
Quote, I've said for years now that the right's single biggest capitulation has been the decades-long unilateral abandonment of all justice-themed public policy advocacy to the left, which, of course, has bastardized the entire enterprise via social justice nonsense. What do you mean by that? For, for those of us that merely made it to public school, all right, not Duke <laughs> University law and all the stuff that you got to do, all right? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for allowing me to uh, kind of expound upon what I meant there. So look, going back thousands of years, going back to the Romans, to the Greeks, really Aristotle in particular, there is a very lengthy tradition of thinking about the realm of politics as ultimately being about the pursuit of notions such as truth and justice. Mm-hmm. And I, I think conservatism properly understood prioritizes that. I think going back to Edmund Burke in England in the late 1700s, and then even the, the founding of the modern conservative movement in the middle of the 20th century with William F. Buckley National Review, there, there, there was a lot of this in there. I think what's happened, Steve, is that at some point in the past 20 to 30 years, the right kind of has just lost its appetite to make these sorts of public policy arguments. We are increasingly dominated by an, I would, what I would call an overly liberalized segment of the so-called conservative movement. The libertarians are very ascendant. Utilitarianism is, is very ascendant. Um, we are no longer comfortable making arguments about justice. And in that void, in that gap, the left has been very ascendant and very vocal about arguing their vision of justice. So just let me just give one very concrete example. As I'm, as, as I'm sure you and perhaps your audience knows, I'm very active in the, in the pro-Israel movement, it really across the country, I guess. And what I've been saying for years is I've been talking to pro-Israel college, law school, law school students. The Palestinian cause on campus they offer a moral narrative. Now, I think we would agree it's actually an immoral narrative, mm-hmm. but they, they offer a compelling narrative in stark moral terminology. They refer to the founding of Israel in 1948 as what they call the Nakba. It is a, it is a tragedy for them. That is a deeply moral argument. In, on the other side, the pro-Israel students oftentimes just resort to platitudes like two states, peace. It's procedure. And in this way, Steve, it's actually kind of analogous to the whole uh, debate earlier this year, or I guess last year at this point, between David French and Soar Bamari, where the David French side of that debate is content to argue kind of pluralistic enlightenment procedural norms. And then Sorab kind of comes in and says, no, you have to argue substance. You have to argue the genuinely political. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what I meant in that tweet there. It, it, it's, kind of, it, it's a lot to break down. I hope I did a decent job there. Um, but... I, 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 for one, am very sad to see my compatriots in the right no longer argue about virtue and justice and the good life and to make utilitarian kind of economic nerdy arguments. I don't think really have much of an impact ultimately on the average American citizen. Well, it goes to the Bernie Sanders phenomenon, Josh. And, you know, I, I've been making the point to our audience the last couple of days. I've drawn this historical analogy. In 1968, a guy that a lot of Americans uh, thought was, uh, was, was sketch and shady um, and it was a very divisive time of cultural upheaval, generational turbulence, but people decided to go ahead and vote for him because they thought he was the most sane option between Hubert Humphrey, who was caught between segregationists in his party and the hippies trying to take it over post summer of love. And Humphrey's trying to keep a, a, a ship taking on water, uh, trying to keep it together. And they decided to go ahead and vote for Richard Nixon and a very divisive election. 
Four years later, after what happened at the Chicago convention in 68, when they tried to, when the old school Democratic Party brought the old uh, you know, Richard Daly ways, dropped the hammer on the hippie movement, the counterculture tried to keep them at bay. And, and the carnage that cost the Democratic Party politically, they, they really had no answer, really. As much kvetching as they were doing in their op-ed pages about, we all know George McGovern can't win. Then he nominates a VP candidate who admits to electric shock treatments. And Timothy Leary is in between LSD acid trips composing, you know, hymnals. All right. They all, though, they all kvetched. We know this guy can't win, but they lacked, they, the, the, the spirit of the age had taken foot. They, they didn't have an infrastructure, a resolve to hold him back. And sure enough, that same problematic individual that people reluctantly voted for four years ago, they overwhelmingly did four years later voting for Richard Nixon and delivered George McGovern one of the worst election routes of all time. Unfortunately, and this occurred before you and I were born, 1972. Unfortunately, if you were to look at the next five decades after that election, Nixon may have won that election in a route. Uh, Traditional America may have won that election in a route. Over the next five decades, except for about half of the Reagan presidency, uh, the, the spirit of the age that propelled George McGovern to that Democratic nomination won the rest of the culture in a route. And I see the same history, Josh, repeating itself in this election, that we're going to tell ourselves a lie that Bernie Sanders isn't going to win in November because he's too far left. I don't believe he's going to win in November, but I don't think it's because he's too far left at all. I think it's because he does a really bad Nikita Khrushchev impersonation and people hate it. He's not likable. He's not inspiring on any level, but he's only arguing for all of the policies we've been active advocating piecemeal my whole life. I mean, Mike Lee's up there arguing the, his, the premise of his argument on, on, on free childcare is the same premise Mike, Mike Lee is arguing right now on Javanka care, conservative family, paid family medical leave. And we have done this on the right, really, with the exception of the ascendancy of Reagan originally, really forever, all my life. And so eventually when someone comes forth, so they're gonna, we're going to beat him in this election. But, over, but when, eventually, though, we'll get most of the policies that he would have advocated for anyway, just maybe just the cheap knockoff McDowell's version of the, of the McDonald's. Okay, And then when, when it's all said and done, sooner or later, they'll put somebody there who's 30 years younger far more articulate, likable, saying all the same things, and people will vote for them, just like we promised ourselves, they won't vote for a draft dodger who went to the Soviet Union instead of serving in Vietnam. They did. They won't vote for a guy whose middle name is Hussein in the first post-9-11 presidential election. They did. Okay? Right? We, we've told ourselves these lies every single time, and the reason why is, I don't know what it is about this movement, Josh, but large pockets of it want to have every debate and conversation except the debate and conversation that actually matters. Did Josh lose me? Looks Dang like it. maybe we... Uh, I, I thought that was actually really eloquent. Yes. And, um, and it was. Set him up, uh, set yeah, him up I, well. I'll I try did, to get him back. I on did him. feel like I set him up well. Where do you go? I mean, you, when, when you just got done and, you know, um, and Stairway to Heaven came out. But like the record companies, like, well, that's only your first track. How do you, like, Todd, you talk. I don't, like, I don't know how did to come up with the rest of the album Did you just call yourself Stairway to Heaven? I, I was, Is that I what was, just happened? I was very impressed by... Uh, by <laughs> But the, but the amount of knowledge I dropped. Now, I might violent. be. I am willing to admit I am the only one that was impressed by it. You can't but give I yourself was very your own impressed. nickname. Yes, 
As, you know what? As Han Solo once said, sometimes I amaze even myself. Todd, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I got to collect myself. You just went full staring to heaven. Uh, you know, this was uh, this and talking about Gorsuch, but this tweet is why uh, how I advertised uh, Josh coming on. It's invaluable. It's a thing we keep coming back to as he reset with the whole So Rob uh, David French conversation. What exactly is conservatism? And the fact that Josh says, you know, this isn't something that just goes back to Ronald Reagan or William F. Buckley. He says thousands of years, all of the great societies within Western civilization ultimately have got to be founded on defending the good, the true, and the beautiful, not simply being bureaucratic system organizers. That's technocrats. A, y- yes. Yeah. So, but it, when, you, when you give yourself over to corporatism, though, that's what a corporate environment is. A corporate environment yeah. is sterile, it is amoral, it is technocratic. That's what most yeah. corporate environments are because most, most corporate environments believe that they have no other mission except that which serves their bottom line. Okay, that that and and therefore that's that's also the utilitarianism that Josh referenced. Therefore, anything that serves my bottom line is good because I have no objective definition of what that is. So I think we have Josh back. Man, I I was really impressed with myself there, too, Josh. I don't know how much of that you heard. okay? Um, but I thought, man, that's not when I got done. I thought, man, that's not bad for a community college kid. All right. But I'm just going to let you talk now. Go ahead. I talked enough. Yeah, so look, America has changed a lot, unfortunately. Now, I saw some Gallup or Pew or some major polling app the other day said that I think 60% of Americans approve of capitalism, whereas 39% of Americans approve of socialism. But if you look at my generation of millennials, if I'm not mistaken, it's basically 50-50, if not a slightly higher percentage actually approve of socialism, which is genuinely harrowing. And you know, look, I I think that Donald Trump would probably beat Bernie Sanders. I think that Bernie could win, by the way. I'm not convinced that Trump would win. Um, but absent some sort of, you know, major stock market crash, obviously what happened yesterday in, in the stock market with the coronavirus fears was potentially a very ominous sign. But, uh, you know, assuming that there's no economic downturn, I do think that Trump would be a favorite against Bernie. But the sheer fact that they would nominate someone like Bernie Sanders, someone who literally flew a hammer and sickle flag. No exaggeration. He literally flew a hammer and sickle flag in his Burlington, Vermont mayoral office at the time that the U.S. and the USSR were in a game of mutually assured existential destruction with one another. That is remarkable for the party of, uh, of, of Jack Kennedy, for the party of Daniel Patrick Moynihan to nominate someone a half century later with that. It's not that party story. anymore. It's not that. It's party. not. It's the party of the county of the counterculture. It's it's a pagan party, for lack of a better description. We are beginning. I, I, I got to pick your brain about what's going on with the courts before we let you go, though. All right, we're starting to see now, uh, just like we saw a flurry of religious liberty cases in the days after uh, what you know Windsor, for example, and Obergefell. Now we're we're seeing the next layer of fallout, which is over men, biological men or dudes, just men 
participating in women's sports because we're either going to affirm their mental illness or they feel pretty or they're just not good enough to compete with the men. So they're going to try the chicks now. All right. So we're seeing a bunch of these now are hitting into the federal bench. Uh, we, uh, the ADF recently lost a case of, of, of pronoun usage, but that was uh, with academia. We're seeing they're fighting on the, on the athletic front as well. And, you know, we have none of these judges have really any record on this because it's a relatively new legal front. What I'm fascinated by is what Neil Gorsuch will do here because somehow they managed to nominate the one federal judge who had like no record at all on the abortion issue, like nothing. Like he had no rulings, like nothing. No precedent whatsoever. All right, but a lot of the court is going to be a blank slate here. I mean, I think we know where Sonia Sotomayor and and uh, and her ilk are going to go, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But where do you see the trend line with this rash of cases that are now making their way up to the court, Josh? So the cases that I tweeted about the other day in a tweet that frankly went more viral than I thought it would. Um, There are some serious rumors coming from the broader federal society, legal conservative nerd world that Justice Gorsuch might rule with the liberals on two Title VII cases. And just to clarify, Title VII is the provision of the Civil Rights Act that uh, prohibits employment discrimination based on nationality, sex, religion, etc. And the fear is that Justice Gorsuch could join the liberals to read sexual orientation and or so-called gender identity into a protected class under the Civil Rights Act. That would be disastrous. Yeah, that's Uh, checkmate. That's checkmate for religious freedom. The First Amendment really is dead. It's a dead letter if he does that. It it is impossible to overstate how catastrophic that would be for for religious institutions, for for religious Americans, for all the number of religious employers from your small mom and pop cake baking shop all the way up to Hobby Lobby. I mean, it, it would be a truly, truly devastating result. And I, just to clarify, this case has not been decided. These are rumors. But these rumors, I, 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 just last week, I literally on Thursday, I got hit by like four or five people in my broader orbit talking about it. So what I've heard is that it potentially goes all the way to a justice, him or herself, who has been kind of trying to get this leak out there. I cannot confirm that, and I generally hate to be in the rumor game like this. But I, I have never trusted Neil Gorsuch, Steve. I've actually been pretty rare on the kind of legal conservative right on that. I have a lot of people are saying, oh, but Gorsuch, but Gorsuch. I've actually long had some serious reservations about him. He has this weird doctrine where he's very content with saying that statutes can be unconstitutionally void for vagueness, a.k.a. they're just not written clearly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Clarence Thomas has torn him apart for that, and I think quite properly so. But this would be a new low for Justice Gorsuch. I really, really hope he does not go there, but I guess we'll find out soon enough. No, it'd be the Roe v. Wade Enda is what it would be. All right. But would you, if you asked any rainbow jihadist, they'd rather have Enda than gay marriage because Enda is the end game. That's that's the checkmate. That's where yep. government is now empowered to use its full coercive force upon your conscience. It's it's militarized at that point. And that's what this kind of a Supreme Court ruling would be. It would be the Roe v. Wade of Enda of the First Amendment. Josh, okay. uh, good day. See you and have you back with us here on Blaze TV, brother. Thank you for joining us. You got to. You bet. It. Take care. Oh boy. Hey, if um, if you are struggling with the reality of that New Year's resolution to eat right and to lose weight, let Riduzone 
be the missing ingredient for you. It's the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster, burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake as well. Because here's the thing, dieting alone is very hard. Working out helps a lot, but you actually get more overall health benefits from working out than just strict weight loss. Because in the end, you can't un- you can't out-train a bad diet. If you cannot get your portion sizes and cravings under control, you're just not going to see the progress that you want to see. And that's where Riduzone comes in. And right now, uh, if you use the promo code Steve on their website, riduzone.com, that's the only place where you can get Riduzone, the only place. If you use the promo code Steve at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, promo code Steve at R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, you're going to get up to 65% off your order. That's tremendous savings. Up to 65% off, and they'll throw in free shipping as well. Up to 65% off, free shipping, And this is not, you know, this isn't some kooky thing. It's backed by not one, but two U.S. patents, FDA approved as well, okay? So riduzone.com, promo code Steve to save up to 65% off and get free shipping. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts on the conversation we just had with uh, Josh Hammer? Really quickly, I think you should explain ENDA. The Employment Non-Discrimination Act. It essentially puts into the Civil Rights Code sexual orientation, gender identity. It it puts the entire LGBTQ agenda into the legal code. And there have been more and more, all all Democrats are for it. More and more Republicans were for it. The uh, previous Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, uh, voted in favor of this, as a matter of fact. It's the end game for the First Amendment. The First Amendment is a dead letter in America, okay? With with ENDA, that's what it is. It's the checkmate. That's what it is. So when we come back, you guys ready for a bit of a surprise? Yeah. It is time for a bit of a, uh, to wield a bit of a double-edged sword and hold ourselves accountable on Pop Culture Tuesday in a, in a rather unique but timely way. I will reveal what that is here in a moment. Man, you can cut the tension in here with a knife. Wow. A lot of awkward looks, stares. Just uncertainty. <laughs> Just uncertainty. Oh, welcome back here to Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. By the way, if you do listen to us via the podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review, whichever method you choose to podcast uh, with or from. Because the more of those we get, the more people like you, uh, we tend to help get help finding. And then the more help we get uh, to continue to do this for a living. So thank you to all of you that have left us those reviews. If you've not done so yet, please consider uh, dropping one. And if you've already dropped one, try dropping five or six more. I, I don't know if those count, if you can um, you know, stuff the ballot box like that. But no, I'm I'm totally okay with it. Uh, my my conscience is seared yep. in this matter. We, I, I, we don't kiss and tell. Yeah, yeah, and we'll just keep that between us. Well, apparently all of us. Uh, 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Pop Culture Tuesday brought to you by Patriot Mobile who wants to let you know that when you get the rare opportunity, and it is increasingly rare these days, as more and more of corporate America gets mobilized into uh, the new statism, the new progressivism, really the, the new paganism uh, 
When you have an opportunity to do business with a company that can offer you all of the same top flight service that you get from the big boys, but not uh, with uh, you know militarizing and mobilizing against your values at the same time, take full advantage of it. And that's in a day and age where all of us pretty much need a mobile phone. That's where Patriot Mobile comes in. It's the only conservative veteran-led mobile phone company with plans starting as low as $25 a month that come with the same unlimited talk, text, and reliable nationwide service as all those other left-wing big boys, but without their hidden fees to boot. And right now, they want to make it as easy as possible for you to switch. So they're going to give you a free activation on any new line. Free activation on any new line when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve and use the offer code Steve. Patriotmobile.com offer code Steve and get a free activation on any new line and they'll throw in a free gift as well. Patriotmobile.com slash Steve or you can call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. So I decided this morning to call an audible on what we're going to do for Pop Culture Tuesday. This is when we look at the intersection between what's happening in the popular broader culture and how it intersects with conservatism, right? Correct. And I and then I decided I've called audibles before and, and almost every time I let you guys know what we're what it is. I mean, I'm the quarterback of the team here, and if you're the one out there running one play and the rest of your unit is running the other, that play's not going to be very successful, right? Correct. But every now and then, I think that it's important. You know, we we think spontaneous responses are in. We place a high importance on this show and it's not true. contriving things. Okay, doesn't mean that we don't like ever plan out anything. But we, we never like plan out or game plan how we're going to react to something. In fact, we often try to set it up that you guys get to see our reactions in real time as we're reacting to it for the first time, right? Yes. And that's what I want to do here today for, for Pop Culture Tuesday. Um, I want to make sure that we don't become reverse snobs. And... I think that that's that for a show like ours and for a personality like mine, frankly, because that's what drives the show, that is a major temptation. That because I'm fine being a contrarian, it's, you know, it's my natural habitat. I'm fine not being a joiner, all right? Um, You know, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. We moved around a ton. So I had new friends and stuff that I had to make all the time. I'm, I'm fine not being a nonconformist. And that that often can give you a clearer perspective of things when it's not tainted by relationship, right? Yes, for sure. sure. But does it always do that? No, no, sometimes it leaves you cold. Yeah, absolutely it does. And I think I think it's important that that we don't become like the Jack Black character in the movie High Fidelity from the 90s. All right? Where all music is good until other people discover it. And then now it's terrible. You know what I'm saying? Like the Beatles are sellouts, but Velvet Underground and Lou Reed with their one song, Walk on the Wild Side, were just, were so much better than, um, you know, Sgt. Pepper's. That, that kind of a, a reverse snobbery. I think we need to guard against that, especially, particularly as I get older and a little 
and a little bit more Gran Torino in certain places, okay? I think it is important that we don't allow that sentiment to happen on this show because we want to reach the broadest audience we possibly can. And we understand that a good portion of the message that we are communicating emanates from a very narrow road, if you get the expression and the mm-hmm. reference I'm making. But but we want to make it as widely applicable as we possibly can, okay? And what, we don't want to become a holy huddle on here um, that I, I, where I end up becoming like that which I'm often disgusted by. Does that make sense? Yes. My own form of 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 uh, self pleasuring circle and sanctimonious, uh, you know, our you know what doesn't stink. I don't want to do that. Okay. Over the years on this show, so along those lines, over the years on this show, we've had a ton of fun about why I don't get invited to speak at places like CPAC. Now, I've I've been to CPAC several times. I've done book signings at CPAC. I've I've just never been invited to speak there. And there's there's two reasons why. Well, three reasons why. One is f- for a lot of years I was a total nobody in this business, and now I you know we try to practice the most self awareness as we can. I've often used we're kind of like that nice upper middle class neighborhood like we're not in the gated community but like in the we we our show you know if you look at you know kind of audience size audience we have we're not in that gated community we're like in the nice neighborhood that's surrounding it like our kids may go to the same schools right yes but we're but everybody knows we're not living in the houses up on the hill does that make is that is that fair yeah because i think because i think it's nauseating too to like way undermine yourself in a way that everybody knows is not true and you're like it makes it sound like you're desperately fishing for a compliment that's every bit as annoying as you know um doing what I did last hour in quoting Han Solo. Sometimes I amaze even myself, right? I was doing that half tongue in cheek. Okay. But I was actually somewhat impressed that here I'm sitting with a guy that used to, that just clerk in the, on the federal bench and I barely made it out of community college. And I, I'm able to have a conversation with him without, uh, you know, slobbering all over myself. So I was, I was a little bit impressed by that, but the fake humility can also be just as nominating, nauseating, sure. right? Yeah. So there's a happy medium in there somewhere. So I, I think it's accurate to say that we're not in the elite neighborhood. We're not slumming. We're in the neighborhood outside the elite neighborhood. We go to some of the same schools and churches, but we're not in, we haven't made that neighborhood yet. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. The okay. neighbors have a Pete Buttigieg sign in the yard. <laughs> yes. Now, several of the years that I went to CPAC, I wasn't even in that neighborhood yet. So that would be one reason why, like, you know, who, who the bleep are you? Number one. The other reason is, um, I have over the years, which I'm sure will surprise many of you, uh, I have frayed numerous relationships. And not as many as I get accused of doing unnecessarily, because I'm totally fine with fraying relationships necessarily. Like I'm cool with it, okay? But so I haven't done so, because most people operate, if you do it at all, it's unnecessary. I don't believe that. But I have to be honest with myself. There, I have afraid more of them that were nece- more, than were necessary at the same time. Does that make sense too? Not not as yeah. many not as many as I I I've not unnecessarily afraid as many relationships as I often have been accused of over the years. But I have 
frayed more relationships as I look back on it now than I wished I would have at times unnecessarily. Again, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle there. Is that fair? It's fair. It's kind of an occupational hazard. You know, once you go in, there's just, it just, really, that is just what it is because negotiating the moments when Mm -hmm. are not, I mean, you got, there's risk involved. Sure. So those, those are the first two reasons. Then the third reason is just, it's kind of lost its way over the years and it's not as interested in the existential matters that it was, it's you know, kinda. Than, than, than it was when yeah. we were growing up. Right. And that's where we're really just our kind of show, which is, that's our prime directive. It's all we're really focused on. And even when we get wonky, it's to ha- it's to it's to use the process as a way to be a gateway to have a, the larger conversation. We're just not really a fit for how that instant once proud institution has devolved in recent times. Okay? So the first two we have some control over, not exclusively, but we have some control over. The third we have none, right? Well, I thought what we would do is for the next few minutes I'm going to go down, I'm going to do the rundown of the agenda for CPAC, which begins this week. It starts tomorrow. CPAC 2020. And I want us, I want us to have a conversation about whether we're being fair or, or, we, or this event deserves more credit than we have given it. Because here's the thing. Ultimately, if it's having the conversations that we think matter, doesn't that matter than whether or not it's including us in the conversation? I hate going to Washington, D.C. anyway, right? So I'm, uh, shouldn't we be far more interested in whether it's having the conversations we would like it to have than whether, whether or not we have been invited oh, to that co- conversation? Of course, oh, of course sure. we should, yeah, yeah. right? I want to make sure the, that we never fall into the ladder, ever, ever, Okay. And, I don't, and, and so that's why I want us to check ourselves right now and look at what's on the agenda. Are you guys ready to go? Okay. Yeah. All right, so all I have here is th- this is just the agenda. And we're doing this in Pop Culture Tuesday because here's the question when we get done with this. Do we think, whether we've liked everybody or liked everything, in general, does there seem to be an earnest attempt to confront what's really in front of us? Is that, is, that's, the, that's the question I want us to answer at the end. Okay. Okay. All right. So here is Wednesday's agenda. I'm just going to run it down. And if you guys have comments in between, just interrupt me. All right. All right. So there's a welcome to CPAC's direct action training. That's hosted by Matt Schlapp, who runs the American Conservative Union that that puts on uh, CPAC every year. And Katrina Pearson, uh, who was a, a, a... one of the mucky mucks in Trump's election campaign and is for his reelect. All right. Then there's how to weaponize social media. Representative Dan Crenshaw of Texas with the badass eye patch is giving the a talk on the fate of our, this is the name of it. The fate of our culture and our nation hangs in the balance. Okay. Then there is uh, about uh, a new app that's uh, celebrate adoption to make adoption easier. Okay. Um, there's no then there's a talk no time no time is no excuse the necessary discipline to free up time for activism i don't really know the people that are giving that talk then there's don't just don't just talk be persuasive learn how and how not to communicate with undecided voters and one of the people on that panel is our old friend Kaylee McEnany, who is run, you know, the chief spokesman for the RNC now and and a few other people there i i don't know um 
hero of activism, meet the person the deep space the deep state spied on. Boy, I couldn't say that tongue tied without getting tongue tied. Meet the person the deep state spied on in their attempt to topple President Trump, and it's our old pal Carter Page. Okay, who two years ago looked like what is it? What do you need to do to get indicted? And now, dude looks like he just he just outwitted the whole system. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, then there is the guy from the walkaway campaign, Brandon Straka. Okay. Um, closing mark remarks by Congressman Mark Meadows, who's retiring. He's the head of the House Freedom Caucus. After those closing remarks, there is a welcome reception for Ambassador Nikki Haley. All right. Your overall thoughts on day one. That's I'd, Wednesday. I'd rather drink acid. You thought it was that bad? Really? K- Katrina Pearson. She did. She had to apologize. What did she have to apologize? She's the one that, well, Trump's buddies over at the National Enquirer when they were trying to nail Ted Cruz That's, for yes. sleeping That's, around. They said one of the women he was having an affair with That's was it. their actual campaign spokeswoman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kaylee so McEnany. Hey, I've met. I got to tell you, I've met the woman in the past. Yes, she, she's, she's always been very but nice. Kaylee McEnany. Now, Kaylee McEnany have a different opinion now because yes. she lied to me right to my face. Right. But I have dis- I've had several talks over the years with Katrina Pearson, not in the last few years, but, but I've had several talks over the years with Katrina Pearson. She was always very nice to me. Just want to state that for the record. But kind of at the end of the campaign, viewed as damaged goods, and in many respects has not been front and center in any way that I've seen. Yeah, she hasn't been since... You're right. Yet, yeah. So the only... Dan Crenshaw, we've talked about him on the show, the, the the positives, the question marks, the potential concerns, but he's undeniably... I will tell you, he just hired a woman. I've not met her, but we've had several um, online engagements named Ariel Davidson. And this woman is brilliant. Yes, and he yeah. just hired her to be his public policy. So, you know, I was kind of, I was kind yeah. of on the, uh, you know, uh, my spidey sense was tingling on the Dan right. Crenshaw tip. Uh, but um, Ariel Davidson is no joke, man. I mean, that, she is a serious thinker, okay? So she's not, she doesn't need the gig either. Like, she doesn't, like, need a job to check a box. So if you're bringing her in, I'm, I mean, I got to think, at least on some level, you're, you're, you're interested in some level of substance. So. And he's undeniably a congressional heavyweight that makes sense that he's there but yep. n- nothing else that i see does and furthermore it's all it's all the game it's all process okay it's all the shenanigans all right, that's day one that's day one okay your day one thoughts aaron uh let's see what did you say can i drink acid todd yes uh yeah uh, what's stronger than acid that i could that i could take uh maybe as a uh, do you want to sleep a, with some as, chinese bats yes <laughs> yes okay um so the celebrate app adoption thing i don't think that is what it sounds like uh the the guy the speaker there stampede consulting that's some sort of consulting group if for some reason you know okay um that doesn't i don't think that is what it's uh let's see weaponize uh social media with win red win red is the that's republicans Yep. Republicans' new online platform for yep. get off the vote and donations. Uh, let's see. No time is no excuse. The necessary discipline to free up time for activism. You guys go do vote, know it's an election year, though. Go you guys vote know that, right? Republican. Don't yeah. just talk. Be persuasive. Learn how and how not to communicate with undecided voters. Um, Kayleen McEnany is one of the ones. Um, maybe she should. Maybe she'll say something like, uh, "You really shouldn't lie uh, to undecided voters." 
Uh, Debbie Meadows, don't know what she's talking about. Hero of activism, meet the person of the deep state. Uh, oh, yeah, Carter Page, who I still want to put in a pattern. Are you going to like run down the entire agenda that I just ran down? Yes. I, okay. I, I, I'm just I, I, uh, Carter okay. Page, who I still want to put in a padded room and just observe for maybe 10, 12 hours. Um, yeah, whatever whatever is stronger than acid, I would like to take as a as a chaser. All right. So Aaron would rather have coronavirus. Let's go to uh, Thursday. Okay. Welcoming prayer from Father Timothy Bear. Uh, e pluribus out of many what? This is a panel with uh, Brian Kilmeade from Fox News, Senator Mike Lee, and a Matt Schlapp from the American Conservative Union. Uh, a radio talk show host I'm not familiar with named John Batchelor. I've heard his name a little yeah. bit, but I've never heard a show. The Coup on the Republic, a prelude, and it's the first of six parts. Uh, the Coup, the day after tomorrow with Congressman Jim Jordan, Congressman Mark Meadows. Socialism, wrecker of nations and destroyer of societies. I love that title. Um, KT McFarland, who I met on the cruise campaign, is on this panel. Uh, a couple of members of Congress, including uh, Dick Cheney's daughter, Liz Cheney, is on this panel. Uh, then a special guest at 910 that's unannounced. A conversation with Senator Marsha Blackburn and Senator Joni Ernst, uh, moderated by Katie Pavlich, who was always very nice to me when we worked together at Salem, because that's who owns Town Hall, where she works. Charlie Kirk of Turning Point USA, then another unannounced special guest at 1010. And then the coup... Rosen, Rod Rosenstein and Jim Comey, The Empire Strikes Back. And this is a panel with uh, Andy McCarthy at National Review and Congressman Doug Collins of Georgia. Uh, and then the coup, impeachment, hyped slimes, and Nancy Schemer. <laughs> if there was ever a CPAC panel I've ever wanted to be on, it's that one. Hyped slimes and Nancy's Schemer. That, that's just, inject that into my veins, all of them, twice. You know what? If I knew they were doing that, I would, I'd pay to go to see that. Just to be, I love that. Um, I like this one. Prescription for failure, the ills of socialized medicine. Uh, and this has a, a lot of... Um, uh, healthcare economic people that I don't know their names. Uh, CPAC Jerusalem from the pole from the pool of Salome. Uh, this is Ambassador David Friedman and the U.S. Ambassador to Israel. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence, Congressman Louis Gohmert, who I got to know a little bit on the cruise campaign. The truth about what's really happening on our southern border. Kay James, who's the new head of the recently new head of the Heritage Foundation on immigration assimilation and civics education. Uh, uh, Michael Knowles and C and from the Daily Wire and Ted Cruz, you know, they started that the verdict uh, impeachment uh, podcast. They're doing a talk along those lines. Uh, Kelly and Conway and Betsy DeVos are going to have a conversation with Selena Zito of the Washington Examiner, Congressman Matt Gates, Diamond and Silk at two thirty-five. Yes. Uh, um. How to tools that help you get around big tech and big media's efforts to shut down conservative speech online. Words that work in persuading others as, it, as they've got several of these. Life, the Second Amendment, immigration. I think that can be very valuable. Um, crucial campaign skills, smarter ways to reach voters on the phone. Words that work in persuading others. Another one of those on health care. The future of conservatism. Rusty Reno of First Things, and as Stepman of the Independent Women's Forum, she's a smart cookie as well. Um, moderated by some dude at Hillsdale. The future of the family. 
uh, who's David Harsanye, our old friend, who's now with National Review, is on this panel. Uh, Terry Schilling at the American Principles Project. I've dealt with them over the years. They're serious thinkers. The future of social media in the public square. Our buddy Dan Gaynor from the Media Research Center is on this panel and some other people that I don't know. Um, the impact on the world if Korea falls. What lies beneath the surface? The global struggle for resources in the 21st century. Socialist axis of evil. Congressman Paul Gosar of Arizona is on that panel. Uh, what lies beneath the surface? Another area, our aforementioned Ariel Davidson is on that panel. They're doing a part two with that as well. Without religious freedom, what's left? Our old putty Todd Starnes, formerly of Fox News, is on that panel. What else here? Um, how to protect the Second Amendment, the danger of China, free speech in America. This looks like your day for your, the existential stuff you guys like. This is it. This is this day has a lot of these kinds of panels on it. Okay, and yeah, there's the there's the deep statey stuff in there, but there's a lot of the uh there's a lot of worldview kind of stuff in here as well. And they're showing the FBI Lovebirds movie with uh, Dean Kane and Christy Swanson at night. All right, quickly, Aaron, your thoughts. Day 2, Friday. As far as the speakers, it's an upgrade as far as the topics other than the life conversation and maybe some of those other ones. It's just a. It looks. To, what is? What's the purpose of CPAC? Maybe we should have dis- defined conservative that. political action conference. Conservative political action conference. So to stem you to action to activate. Um, let's see. Has there been anything? So I just got a text from someone I know really well with a picture from their work, uh, and I know this person really well, and I know that they have a really hard time sometimes calling people by the right pronouns or not calling people by their pronouns at all, and they just got an, an email from their work saying that they're they're thinking about implementing a pronoun policy there at CPAC? No, no, at at, at this person's job. Is there anything at CPAC for for stuff like that? I don't know, we haven't gone through the whole thing yet. That I don't that's, know. That's that's okay. that's what I'd like to know. Okay. You don't think this is applicable enough? Is that what you're trying to say? You know, I I you know, I just, you know, uh it seems like a, a circle jerk for the most part. All right. Todd, what do you think? There's a lot of moving parts And it there. ends with a Catholic mass. That's the last event, Saturday, Friday night. Okay. I'm not going to touch that for now. Uh, there's, It's very unfocused. And listen, I, I said out of the gate when Trump became president and we had both houses of Congress that a lot of things would have to be happening at once to be effective. You need to keep a constant onslaught that Democrats had to react against. Well, it it's clear that we were not capable of doing that on the right uh wait we're going to talk about the border we had a chance to do something out about the border where are we on that the ills of of socialist medicine we had a chance to do something about that here it is there's they're talking about everything and because they're talking about everything my level of confidence is that they're talking about nothing at all they need to come out of this with a very targeted specific game plan about how to go forward a sense of ethos that elevator speech that you cannot get out of your head they're not going to come away with that after these two days. All right. Day three, Friday. And this is going to go into the next segment because there's two more days. All right. Um, Kill me now. Uh, Mick, Mick Mulvaney, the chief of staff at the White House. He's the first of the, he's the, first of the day. Um, is big data China's new weapons of war? Um, wow. Matt Whitaker from here in Iowa, former acting attorney general. I've known Matt for 20 years. He's on that panel. Uh, conversation with Brad Parscale and Laura Trump. Brad Parscale is Donald Trump's 2020 campaign manager. Um, conversation with Secretary Elaine Chao. That's Mitch McConnell's wife. 
and Secretary Eugene Scalia. That's Antonin's son, I believe, right? And Elaine Chao runs the Department of Transportation, and uh, Eugene Scalia runs the Department of Labor. Uh, what's the right path forward on big tech? Josh Hawley, uh, Hawley of Missouri, who's been leading that fight, is the leader of that panel. Benjamin Watson. NFL yep. star player who's doing a lot on racial reconciliation and the abortion issue. He speaks at 945. Followed by Rick Harrison, the star of Pawn Star. One of those, uh, wasn't that like a reality show a few years ago that was really yeah. popular about the pawn shop pawn in shops, Detroit? Yeah, I think I know. That's just an odd back to back. Ben t- Harrison, and here's the guy from Big Ten. Here, here's, the, here's, here's, the, here's the dude from Pawn Stars. That just seems odd. Socialism and the Great Awakening. John Miller of Blaze TV, our Blaze TV is on this panel. Jared Stepman over at the Daily Signal at uh, Heritage Foundation. I've met Jared before. Uh, he's a smart guy. Is on that panel. Um, Black Guns Matter. Living conservatism courageously is after that panel. Um, what's next? Candace Owens on Blexit. Conversa- another conversation with Ambassador David Friedman to Israel and German Ambassador Rick Grinnell, who was just appointed head of the DNI, right? Um, working towards citizens' first solutions. Ken Cuccinelli is on that panel. Our former colleague here at Blaze TV, Danine Borelli, is on that panel. At 12.45, there's a special guest. Uh, our former colleague here at CR, uh, Dan Bongino, and Devin Nunez are hosting a panel on Spygate. Um, Israel, what should the map look like? Uh, that's um, moderated by your former governor, Scott Walker. Um, a conversation with ec- economic director Larry Kudlow and advisor Ivanka Trump is at 2.30. Uh, Nigel Farage speaks at 3 o'clock. I know you like him. He speaks at 3 o'clock. Then we get into more CPAC training um, on, you know, activist training because it, it, it's an activist conference. You're going to have activist training. That's what I went down to Tennessee to do last weekend with some activist training. Um, what's next? Trump's lead on criminal justice. Will your state follow? That talk brought to you by our good friend Daniel Horowitz. No, it's not. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, what the Virginia gun grab means for the rest of America. Andy, no. Is, or, or Cong- is, no. Dave Bratt, former member of Congress, is on that panel. And a few others. Andy Noah's on a panel because Trump, how the left justifies acts of violence. Uh, the left's takeover of our culture. Uh, it's got uh, some writers uh, from The Federalist, the Independent Women's Forum, Young America's Foundation is on that. Rewarding lawbreakers, sanctuary cities, and porous borders. Congressman Mel Brooks, Attorney General, uh, or Mo Brooks of, I said Mel Brooks, I'm sorry, Mo Brooks uh, of Alabama. And Attorney General Ken Paxton of Texas is on that. It's moderated by Ralph Hallow at the Washington Times. I used to work with him there. I've known Ralph for years. Is politics ruining the power of sports to bring us together? That's an interesting topic, I think. Uh, Jesse Kelly is on that panel. Uh, Tiana Lowe from the Washington Examiner is on that panel. Wayne Dupree, who's a black conservative talk show host, is on that panel. Um, What else is on Friday? And as I scroll through for more, those are book signings. That's not part of the agenda. The Ronald Reagan dinner is that night. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is the guest, is the uh, keynote speaker for the Ronald Reagan dinner. That's the main event at CPAC every year. So that's Friday's agenda rundown. I'll give you guys a take on that. And then we'll do Saturday, the final day, and then give her all overall impressions when we come back.
One of the booming industries globally right now, according to Yahoo News, is the global superfood market. It could, in the next few years, grow by over $200 billion with a B. And it's because experts agree that eating superfoods is the easiest way to get nutrient-dense foods and the best part all natural foods back into our diets to take back a lot of those healthy things that have been taken out of the food most Americans eat. Now, the trick, though, is finding the product with the best quality ingredients, no extracts, that USDA seal because it's real food. And that's why you want to trust Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. One scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables that can assist with immunity, reducing your risk of heart disease, prebiotic, probiotic, a great source of vitamins, minerals, fiber, and other nutrients as well. And with Field of Greens, there's no counting pills. Just put one scoop in any water-based drink, stir, and you're good to go. My son Noah utilizes this. This is the only way we can get him to eat his vegetables. We get him to drink them. And he absolutely loves this drink. So if you want to give it a shot, BrickHouseSteve.com is the website to go to save 15% off your first order with the offer code Steve. BrickHouseSteve.com, offer code Steve. That's BrickHouseSteve.com, offer code Steve, to save 15% off. Even better, if you sign up for a reoccurring subscription, you can save an extra 10% every single month. BrickHouseSteve.com, offer code Steve. So before the break... This is going to be an extended version of Pop Culture Tuesday this week. Before the break, we ran down the Friday agenda for CPAC. And and I thought, again, I thought there was a lot of emphasis on a lot of, there's going to be process stuff, guys. It's an activist training conference. You know, I mean, this isn't a philosophical think tank and it is an election year. So I think you got to give them some grace where that is concerned. I think the more we get in, it seems at least, the more we get into the, the agenda, the more the substantive issues that should drive your activism, not just activism for activism's sake, but the substantive things and themes that should drive your activism seem to be getting highlighted more and more the further we get into the weekend. But what do you think, Aaron? I'll let you go first this time. So um, Fridays, I mean, undeniably, there are some speakers on Friday's rundown itinerary that are um, that are good. And here's here's the deal. Through two days of through two days of this or three days we're through three days now I believe um, I feel like I do every time a Republican party takes control of a of uh, or takes back the House or the Senate either at the state level or the federal level oh it's full of possibilities things could happen it could be different this time I just don't understand to what end and I'm tr- I'm trying to look at this as objectively as possible but i don't i don't know what the i just don't know i don't see anything that's popping off the page here because i'm following along as well that's popping off the page that says uh this is actually going to equip people i i equip people to do what and maybe i'm just not familiar and maybe i just have such a disdain for a, a, a lot of what I understand to be the, the, the crowd that shows up at CPAC. Um, but I just, I don't understand what, what the point of any of this is. Because how long has this conference been going on? Oh, like 50 years. Like 1975, I want to say, was the first one. What do you think, Todd? 
Yeah, it's going been going on for 50 years. And like you said, uh, Donald Trump's probably going to win this election, but the Bernie Sanders ethos will live on and on and on. It's because if conferences are like this, that's what's going to happen. Aaron's absolutely right. It that, there's When I see, and I don't know pound for pound from uh, time to time, how much time they've spent on black America here. There's a lot of black speakers and mm-hmm. I even, I don't even diamond and silk. That's the kind of pop culture stuff you bring that in. But like now what's the mechanism? It's not important for the people who spend the money and go there to hear that. Is America going to know about that? How are you relating to black America beyond Donald, the persona of Donald Trump? How are you going to carry that forward? Because if all you leave is, hey, I hung out with some black people at CPAC and then go home and there's just no mission, it you may as well have been... Well, the mission, uh, it's 2020. The mission is to reelect Donald Trump. This is yes. all for the point of reelecting Donald Trump. And it would be if, if it was Ronald Reagan, George, any to Republican president, okay, the, end, the, the is, end in 2020 would be to reelect that or to get that Republican elected. That would be the end of any election year. It's not a conservative. It's, it's not a, a movement thing. Then. Well, well, the movement would say, the movement would say, ultimately, if you don't have anybody elected who agrees with you, you're just blogging. And so we got to get people elected who actually can do the stuff we will believe. That's what it would say. Yesterday, we talked about bust. What bust looks like. We here believe this place is busted. I don't think they really, most of the people there, really deeply believe it. I don't think... Have I ever taken you guys to CPAC with me? Mm-mm. No, I've never been okay. to CPAC. Okay, so then let's... Let, I wasn't sure about that. Let's make sure we don't prejudge an audience then we've not engaged. I think, is that fair? Okay. Let's not... I have. I've been there several times. But if you haven't been there, let's not prejudge an okay. audience we haven't engaged. Let, let's st- look at it from... Would you be, would look at it from, let's, maybe it'd be better to look at it from the perspective of, are, would, would you be interested in going to this for, since you've never been there before? Are you, in, well, would you be interested in it? Have we heard any talk about uh, marriage so far? Well, I, have I, we? I've got one day to okay. go, but no. So far? So have far. we heard anything about life? Yes. Yes. Yeah, there well, were several about day. life. Yeah. There were a few, there were a few, there were a couple. Not okay. a lot, but a couple. Yeah. Have we heard anything about uh, freedom of religion? Yep, there were several. We did. There were yep. several. We, yep. you're, when you're throwing out names. And yep. I, I, okay. I mean, those are the things that re, it's revival or bust. We believe okay. that. So that's okay. what I need to hear. Okay. Here's Saturday, the last day. Opening speaker on Saturday is our very own Glenn Beck. He is the opening speaker on Saturday. He is followed up by Sebastian Gorka, who I've actually interviewed several times before the Trump candidacy. I thought the guy was actually really smart. That's not to say that because he's a Trumper, I think he's gotten dumb. I, I'm, I'm saying that the the Trumper persona is giving people um, sort of this one dimensional view of him. There's 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 more going on upstairs with him than just uh, you know MAGA baby. That's that that's the point I'm trying to make. Does mm-hmm. that make okay. yeah? All right. Um, every vote counts, especially when the counts are rigged. Former Minnesota Senator Norm Coleman is on this panel. Uh, a former Attorney General of Nevada is on this panel. Conversation with uh, Budget Director Russ Vaught. He's the guy that uh, Bernie Sanders said couldn't serve in government because he is uh, he believes in Christian orthodoxy. The coup, a witch hunt begins. Hillary's Ukrainian insurance policy with two people I know this whole panel I know Jody Heiss very well the congressman from Jody, from Georgia I've interviewed uh, Chris Plant and been on his show there in DC and I know Matt Boyle at Breitbart uh, fairly well so I know that entire panel um, life support questions that candidates should have to answer 
Uh, Allison Centafonte, who's pretty smart over at Live Action, is on this panel. Uh, what's next? There's a there's a lot of stuff in here about going after socialism, which I think is really smart. The unshackled voices of socialist regimes. Um. And this looks like a panel of people from around the world globally that have been exposed to this. Something called Please America, Don't Give Up. Uh, the black conservative from Michigan, John James, who's the Senate candidate up there, uh, is introducing this. And it talks about uh, free speech, health care, several different issues. Uh, my journey from incarceration to freedom. This looks, again, like promotion of the president's uh, uh, criminal justice reform that our Daniel Horowitz likes to refer to as jailbreak. A conversation with Mark uh, and Julie Levin. So that's Mark Levin and his wife are next. So both Glenn Beck and Mark Levin are speaking on Saturday morning. I don't know what CPAC the world is watching is. It looks like it's about uh, conservative populist movements around the world. A Second Amendment presentation doesn't say who the speaker is. Um, this is good. Jesse Kelly doing a socialist news network version of Weekend Update on SNL. That. I could see that being very funny. James O'Keefe from Project Veritas speaks. Um, the the Secretary of Energy speaks next. That's just an odd. I, that's just kind of a mishmash. Jesse Kelly panning SNL's weekend update, socialist style. James O'Keefe on muckcracker journalism. And here's the Secretary of Energy. Like I, I can tell you, I haven't been there several times. When, when the Secretary of Energy goes there, I feel bad for his staff because that room is going to empty out after those two guys are done. The room's going to be empty. Um, what's next? Michael Pillsbury from the Hudson Institute. That's a Catholic think tank, isn't it? I thought it was. I'm not sure. I think that's a Catholic think tank. Uh, the conversation with, the FC, with FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr, who just followed me on Twitter for some odd reason. Then what's next? Um, Department of Veteran Affairs Secretary Robert Wilkie. I mean, it's like every member of the Trump cabinet's getting a, a spot here. Uh, the World is Watching, the American Conservative Union CPAC 365 documentary. So that's the kind of thing you do at a convention like this to, you know, give everybody some kind of a pump-up speech at the very end because we're getting to the end of it now. And that's it. That's Saturday's card. So when you guys look at this card as a whole, is it something you'd want to attend? I'm going to give my answer at the end because I've not given too many editorial comments other than if I know somebody and if I don't. That's about it. What do you think, Todd? I would not want to attend. You would not want to attend. I'm glad there's a level of pride of place for the flagship members of the network we work for, and I have confidence in their ability to convey a message uh, passionately, forcefully, uh, with conviction. There's, you know, that's that's a good thing. But for for four days of this, I just I don't believe in its overall efficacy uh, any longer. I just I, I just don't. Is there anything they could have done? Oh, this is, yeah, that's, I think that's. And I'm I'm, I'm not asking this to corner you. Those are the emails I am going to get when you guys are done. What could, what, give, and don't go for off for 10 minutes. Give me like two things right away that you, that you would have said, yeah, I, 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 that would get me to go. No, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure for somebody like me that the, the, the format, and I'm out of the three of us, I think I'm the most comfortable in that for four days. 
you know, I don't, I, I like traveling. I like going out. I want to feel out of my uh, element in terms of hanging out, socializing, all that stuff. I just, I want, I want a level of excitement and conviction that I have a level of confidence will play out in practice and leading to the things I believe in. I just okay. don't believe that anymore. All right. The, Aaron? the main thing standing in the way right now, other than conservatism itself, is the lack of a vehicle for actually delivering upon a, a, a conservative policy. And to me, anytime conservatism was mentioned during this, you could swap that out for the word Republican. Here's something that they could do that would really, really interest me. Get a panel of like eight people. Get a So Rob Amari. Get a David French. Get a uh, Mike Lee or Ted Cruz. Get a um, get a, a, a Mark Levin or uh, a Glenn Beck. Get get people from all across the spectrum that a lot of people think is conservatism. Get people from every sector, from the very brainy side, the think the you know the the kind of the esoteric side with the David French and. And so Rob Amari debate get some from the kind of the Trumper conservative side, uh, maybe a Matt Gates or somebody who's really into Trump and maybe somebody who was not so much like a Ted Cruz. Get somebody from every single sphere, put them all together and then talk about maybe issues that divide conservatism as panel like that. That would be worth the price of admission right there to have people actually debate things they disagree on within because that's a that's that's a form of self-awareness. That's a form of healthy debate. I don't really see anything. I just see a get out the vote effort. And to me, that's not equipping people to uh, to advance conservatism. I get any time it's it would be to reelect that to me. Just because that's the way it is doesn't mean that's the way it should be. And again, I'm not trying to be utopian. Nobody, no, nothing is going to be perfect east of Eden. But good grief, something that is actually more than just uh, vote Republican. That's what I got overall. I repeat, or I would echo what Todd said at the beginning of his last response. Really happy for some of the, the voices that are there who we have confidence in. But overall, I would like to see something like that. So here are my thoughts. Having been there several times, this is the first agenda I have ever seen that has several things on it I would actually like to attend and would would, would alter my schedule to go to. And not, you know, I I would alter my schedule to watch Jesse Kelly attempt to um, Dennis Miller, a socialist weekend news weekend update. But um, I mean, on, on substantive matters, this is the, at least in the time that I've been around and I, I went in uh, 2011, 12, 13, 14 and 16 were the years that I went. So that's how many years, 11, 12, 13, 14, six, five times I've been. Okay. I haven't not, I've not been since 2016. But in the five times that I have been, this is by far, I don't know what it was like in the 80s and 90s. I I wasn't around then, okay? But in the five times that I have been in this decade, this is by far the most substantive philosophical collection. Because I don't want to say all those years they didn't have any of them. They did. But like 
this is more substance from a, a worldview philosophical level I have ever seen in a CPAC agenda. My, this is why I wanted to have this exercise. When I read, the, I read through this whole agenda this morning, and for the first time, I felt like maybe we should have gone. Because you guys know what I do. Every year I ask, do we have to go? That's what I always ask the management here. Do we have to go? You know? But um, to me, I, I've, I think it's actually fairly emblematic of the Trump presidency in many respects. In that it's, it's, it's not as much substance as we need, as we truly need. But it's more than we've gotten before. I, I, that's, and I think that's very emblematic of the Trump presidency. He he absolutely could accomplish more, um, but he has accomplished at the same time. He has he's done more for us than, if we're going to be honest, him any of his predecessors have. That's not good. It's sad, but that's not really his fault as much as it is a movement that didn't demand more. And I'm not, I'm not going to blame the White House who, for turning an activist conference in their backyard in the nation's capital. with Because there's going to be as much media there. That's the other thing that you should keep in mind about a CPAC. There will be as much credentialed media there as there will be actual attendees. And a lot of it's going to be mainstream media. And so this is a great way to, if you want to inject items of news and stuff and, and topics and speakers that they would prefer to ignore because it doesn't meet their Overton window. I mean, that's why we did the religious freedom rally on the cruise campaign because we knew the media was, we were going to force the media to have to cover it, right? This is how you get, you force your message through their Overton window. They come to cover your event and you make them cover the stuff you want them to talk about. So given the fact that this is a presidential election year, and in, 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 in any election year, this CPAC was going to look, have, a, have its endgame focus on getting who is the primary Republican on the ballot elected. That, I mean, one of the reasons Ronald Reagan got primarily involved with CPAC at its origin is because he wanted to primary Jerry Ford from the right. On, and where did, he give, where did he give his famous, you know, bold colors, pale pastels speech? You know where that was given? I think at the very first CPAC is where he gave that speech in 1975, I want to say. So this is not new. And I, I actually think um, there's far more substance to the processy activism, wonky stuff than I have ever seen before. I mean, this is the first time I've looked at a CPAC agenda and thought, oh, maybe I should have gone. There's several things there that I think would have been beneficial. I, I actually came away impressed. But I'm also beginning with a knowledge base of where this thing was at for the last few years, right? You guys are looking at, that's why I probably should have asked you when we first started, have I ever taken you guys to this with me and then use that as your baseline from the beginning? Because if I, if I just walked into the middle of this and I'm looking at the stuff that's in Aaron's montage every day, I'd be like, guys, I appreciate the attempt here, but this ain't going to cut it. We got, we got, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But having been many times where I was just like, I am wasting my time here. This is actually the first time I've looked at a CPAC agenda and thought it's not a waste of my time. Well, may fruit go from that tree. So fascinating conversation. I hope the audience enjoyed it. We will be back at it again tomorrow, noon to two Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.